0: This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We do not go gently into the good weekend on this program. As a matter of fact, we are going to be moving through a lot of topics in a very, very quick fashion today because what happens is I accumulate all these things I want to talk to you about over the course of the week and then we don't get to them on Tuesday, so I carry it over to Wednesday. And then by Friday, I end up with all this stuff that I want to discuss. So that is where we stand. We start off today's program like we start off every program Three big things. Story number one is weather-related. I I was just mentioning this to Jane earlier. Um, Last evening, I was at dinner, and I got introduced to a couple who, it's kind of an interesting story, um, they, they spend a month Every year, they're from Houston, live in Houston, but they spend a month every year in Wisconsin. They, they come up here in August, and they, they stay out in, in Lake Country. And they were telling me um, that they've been doing this, That the gentleman, he's been doing this since he was a little boy. Apparently, his family... His great-grandmother or something was from, like, the West Bend area, and so... But it's, it's a habit. The whole family comes up, multiple generations, and they, they rent a cottage or something like that, and they vacation up here. So they, they happened to be in a restaurant that I was in last night, and I got introduced to them, and we were talking, and they were telling me that they were driving back to Houston, which is, again, where they live today. And it's a two-day drive, so they're not going to get there t- tomorrow. And I said, of course... Well, Houston, <laughs> um, isn't that kind of in the epicenter of where this Hurricane um, Harvey is about to hit? And they said, yes, it is. And so we, we got to talking, and they, they were telling me about like family members they have down in that area who are you know obviously very, very concerned about this. If you haven't been following the story, um, Hurricane Harvey is poised to make landfall in, in Texas Um, sometime this evening, the last hurricane to make landfall in Texas as a Category 2 hurricane was in September of 2008. Um, State of disaster has been declared for 30 counties. The question is, it it, it might be a Category 2, it might be a Category 3. They expect that it's going to stall once it makes landfall. The estimates are you're going to have winds that are in excess of 120 to 130 um, miles per hour, um, they estimate that there will be somewhere between 10 and 20 inches of rain at a minimum. And in, in some areas, you could have um, more than two feet of rain that's going to fall. Can you imagine 130 mile an hour winds and, and two feet of rain You know, falling. I mean, and of course, you know, if you're talking about this area of Galveston and the Houston, you're you're talking about areas that's low-lying anyways. There's going to be just incredible flooding. I mean, there's there's no question about it. And I I was talking to this couple, and I said, well, you know, what about, have you been talking to your family members? And they said, yeah. They said, um, one of the things the family member said is, if you're coming down here, stop along the way. And buy anything that you think you might need—bottled water, bread, whatever—because the stores are are all out. I mean, there's been a run on this. They said you can't find, you can't find stuff in the stores because there's a number of people who have just, you know, made the decision that they're going to hunker down and they're going to you know, ride out the hurricane, and and just, you know, wait and, and kind of see. And so I was talking to this couple and it was kind of and I said, really, you're going to be driving into that? And they said, well. We're not going to be stupid. I mean, we're, we're going to be, continue to monitor stuff. And they said, like, for example, Friday night, you know, we're, we're not going to be in Houston on Friday night. We're driving from Wisconsin down there, and we're going to be stopping off, you know, somewhere about halfway or, or whatever. And, you know, obviously, if it's too dangerous, you know, we'll, we, we might come back. We'll, we'll turn around and come back, but we're not going to drive into this. But we got to talking about how lots of people just kind of make the decision that, yeah, you know, this, whether it's a hurricane or whether it's just like heavy rains or whatever this is a part of living in that area and you don't you don't leave you just kind of decide that you're going to like stick it out and see where it goes All right, 414-799-1620 that is the accident mortgage talk and text line i have never never been faced with with a hurricane unlike tornadoes which we get in this part of the country tornado, tornadoes you can't predict them. You know, you can have the National Weather Service putting out its warning saying, hey, you know, there's a chance, you know, there's a chance for, like, the heavy storms or, you know, we've got a tornado watch or something like that. But it's a general sense that you don't you don't get three days' notice that there's going to be a, a tornado. Tornadoes kind of pop up quickly, even though you can be alert that maybe the conditions are, are ripe for them. But, you know, hurricanes, they, they are predicted. And, of course, you know, who knows? It, it could weaken. Maybe Hurricane Harvey isn't going to hit as strongly as they predict. Maybe the path is going to be slightly different. But the tr- truth is, you know it's going to be bad. You know you're going to have heavy winds. Maybe there'll be 135 miles an hour. Maybe they will be 90 miles an hour. You know you're going to have torrential rainfall. Maybe it'll be a foot. Maybe it'll be two and a half feet. Who, who knows? But you know that it is going to be bad. Under those circumstances... If it were me, assuming that I had the ability to get out, and I understand there's some people who don't have anywhere to go, but if I had the ability to get out, I'd be getting out. Four one four seven nine is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I understand whenever you have these stories, you, you always hear people having the hurricane parties, and they just decide to ride it out. I, I'd be... I'd be heading for higher, drier ground just as quick as I possibly could. I guess I kind of look at it and I say, I understand, you know, you've got property, you've got stuff. But the bottom line is stuff can be replaced. Um, these conditions are sort of life-threatening. And I guess I, I, I'd just be getting out of Dodge. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, would you be surfing in the hurricane or would you be heading out of Dodge? 414-799-1620, Let's start with, uh, let's see, Scott in Greendale. Scott, you're first. Good morning.
1: Hey, good morning. Awesome topic. So this is taking me back to um, August of 2007. My wife and I were down in Jamaica for Hurricane Dean. We were down at a sandals resort down there. And uh, just a great time. Well, Hurricane Dean comes flying through uh, Category 4, Category 5. And I guess my background's meteorology. So I actually got to stay and help forecast the storm. So I was in heaven there. <laughs> Um, and they give us another uh, honeymoon out of it but I'll tell you what as long as you knew you were safe as long as you knew you're in a building that was that was contracted for you know that type of weather and up and away from the storm surge and stuff it really is it really isn't that bad it's just the flooding is the big one you got to make hmm. sure you're up to higher ground
0: well yeah but right I mean I guess well I mean you've got to fly but you also have, a, have 110 mile an hour winds you know chances are you're going to lose power and the power is probably going to be off for Several days I would imagine if this kind of thing hits. I mean, wouldn't you just wanna get get out of Dodge?
1: You know, I suppose, honestly, it kinda of depends how much of an adventure you were. We <laughs> had made friends with some other couples It was our honeymoon, so we all ended up having, you know, drinks upstairs and having a big hurricane party. But again, most importantly, you felt like you were out of the danger because the resort was made to withstand that. You knew that from the storm surge, we were up on the third right. floor. You knew that it had generators. I think it would be a completely different deal, you know, if it was something where you're out in the elements
0: on your own. Good enough. Thanks, or or just to the regular house. I mean, I, I guess I'm I'm looking at that. This. this is you know, you haven't. I'm trying to think. They have not had a category. Assuming it it makes landfall as either a category or two or category three um, storm. I, I mean, it's been 12 years since one that big, you know, hit you know, hit the United States. And, and it's going to have a huge thing. I mean, I'm looking at this. They're saying the combination of storm surge and wave action will bring a total inundation of 6 to 12 feet in coastal areas and bays. Um, you know, and this is, you're talking about that whole area down there, the Corpus Christi, you know, and Galveston and Houston a little bit uh, north of that. I mean, all these places are just completely going to get whooped. Catastrophic flooding. When I hear the phrase catastrophic flooding, that gets my attention. Damaging winds, isolated tornadoes that can arise, and, and lengthy power outages. Cause, okay, so that, that's the other thing. It's okay, Even if you ride out the hurricane, you're talking about the, the aftermath of, of this. Now, keep in mind, it's August. You are in South Texas. The humidity is 100% it is probably 95 degrees and incredibly humid if you're lucky and you've got no power for a week, you know, 10 days, 2 weeks. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. that's one of these things where I appreciate like I say the people who want to go surfing in the hurricane, but if it's me, <laughs> I think that's uh all right, let's that let's find a place, you know. We'll if we're leaving if we're deciding to leave our nice cottage in Wisconsin, that's fine. Um, but we'll we'll stay we'll stay in um, Missouri or something, you know. We'll we'll check out some of those great uh, towns in Missouri or whatever, and wait for this entire thing to pass. At least that would be B. Big story number one, and we're going to continue to watch it. It is the whole situation with Hurricane Harvey. It is strengthening as it heads towards um, Houston and Corpus Christi and Galveston and all those type of places. And I guess my advice for anybody who'd listen is, if you can get out, I understand sometimes there's people who can't get out. If you can get out, just just do it. You might get great stories if you survive the thing, but that is an if. Big story number two is coming up. The NRA is coming to town. Do we need to hide the women and children? Stick around. It's 8- Some people say yes. It's 846. 846. It's 849, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. One local company found its product front and center among the neo-Nazis in Charlottesville. And now they're having to do damage control. Get the details during Safidi and Bill Stett, 1220 this afternoon. Okay, I have a text that says, Jeff, do you get out of Dodge when a blizzard is coming? No, but a blizzard is different than a hurricane. Um, And anybody who's ever been through a hurricane, I think, would tell you precisely that. Um, With the hurricane, you're going to have, I mean, the aftermath will be a week to ten days. No, I mean, blizzards are bad, but blizzards, you kind of hunker down, you wait for it to pass. Around here, we do snow pretty well. You're dug out by the next day. Hurricanes, different breed entirely. Just saying. All right, big story number two. The NRA is in town. This is a, it's really kind of an interesting story. The NRA is having, well, big self-defense event downtown. Matter of fact, you might have heard the advertisements on our, on our program and on this station. They're calling it, it it's the NRA Carry Guard Expo and you know what this is it's not it's not a typical gun show what this is is it's the NRA's first ever carry guard gun show it's seminars it's workshops it's exhibits um aimed at people interested in carrying concealed weapons and self defense um, there's more than 150 exhibitors at the Wisconsin Center, but it's also going to feature, you know, all sorts of different experiences, training you how to use firearms and stuff, and different products. Um, it's designed around, you know, CarryGuard, which is um, an insurance and training product that the NRA has been selling for the last several months. Now, this is interesting because this whole since the the desire for personal protection has really exploded, you know the the real leader in this industry has been a a local company essentially. It, it's Delta Defense, which is located out in, in West Bend. And Delta Defense, you know, offers know, insurance and training and things like that. Delta Defense currently employs 165 people. If you've been up in the West Bend area, they've, they've just opened this new headquarters. It's, it's a 60,000 square foot headquarters. And, and Delta Defense really has kind of had the market for These type of products for, well, quite a while now. Now the NRA, which used to kind of work with Delta Defense and the Concealed, in the United States Concealed Carry Association, now they're kind of starting to compete with them. So this is, this is gonna be a big deal. It is a huge growth industry that's out there. And you're gonna have lots and lots of people who are gonna be attending this. People certainly coming from all over the United States. Well, as you might expect, some of the usual suspects are, are there. There's a number of people who are apparently trying to protest this event. Fox 6 had a story about this last night. The protesters say the very presence of the NRA is an insult. Here's what, you know, one of the women says The NRA is here in Milwaukee because they want to make a profit off of the pain that we feel here. protesters take issue with what's being sold, not guns, but insurance. The NRA offers um, people who have concealed carry permits, as does Delta Defense, insurance to protect gun owners who might shoot and kill someone protecting themselves. They cover, this insurance product that they sell is designed to cover members who have a policy, they can have a policy, and if you legally use your firearm in self-defense and you get sued, well, okay, this insurance covers you. Um, one of the people that is the NRA hater says, this is essentially, you know, murder insurance. Um, uh, the protesters say, we're trying to grow the movement, keep our voices loud, keep the NRA out. This is terrible. We can't believe that they are, you know, coming here. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think these protesters... Desperately, desperately, desperately need to get a life. I think the idea that you are offering seminars educating people about concealed carry, about their rights, about being a responsible firearms owner and knowing when you can use firearms in appropriate situations, I think that is a very, very worthwhile endeavor. I think it's good to have this type of product that's there. I think it is good to have this type of training. And this idea that, oh, this is terrible, you have the NRA coming to town and they are trying to, again, exploit our pain, I think is absolutely ridiculous. Several groups are going to be rallying in opposition. I think these groups need to get a life. What do you think? 414-799-1620. Is it dreadful that the NRA is coming to town? It's 854. We discuss next. This is Jeff Wagner. Out there carjacking people, sticking guns in people's faces. Maybe that's where you should be spending your time and attention. But, of course, that's too hard, and that doesn't fit your agenda. Big thing number three is coming up. We're going to be talking about President Trump. Stick around. It's 9 (laughs) o'clock. Nine oh nine, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. And as I said on our Friday show, we tend to go through topics very, very quickly. A number of people wanted to weigh in on the NRA coming to Milwaukee. Um, these protesters. My response to the protesters is: is get a life. I, I mean, seriously. If you want to spend time protesting, don't worry about the law-abiding citizens that are attending this NRA event. That might be there to oh, I learn about you know legal responsibilities they have as concealed carry holders. Um, worry about maybe, you know, what's going on in the community. You I'm all in favor of stopping violence. But the problem with violence in Milwaukee is not at the convention center. I'm here here's a classic example of that. Milwaukee teens celebrated after friend shoots eight year old girl, complaint says Talia L. Kelly jumped this is the Journal Sentinel reporting, jumped up and down in celebration after hearing the gunfire that left an 8-year-old bleeding in a house on Milwaukee's north side, according to the criminal complaint. The shooter was somebody named Tato, who Kelly, um, 18, had summoned to shoot up the house in the 2600 block of North 49th Street, following a fight July 31st. That's my brother, that's my brother, Kelly cheered after the volley of shots that left the young victim with bullet wounds to her head and right arm, according to the complaint. Um... (laughs) Okay, Milwaukee County Court Commissioner Robert E. Webb set bail at $1,005 for Kelly. All right, she essentially is accused of enlisting somebody to shoot up a house. And in Milwaukee... You get put out on a $1,000 and 5 bail. Dollar bail. Now, she hasn't made it yet, but really. According to the complaint, Kelly was among a group of females who had driven to a house, the house of the victim, identified only as DJ, to fight with DJ's sister. Kelly told investigators that during an altercation with DJ's family members, a man struck her from behind. Kelly's group retreated and began calling others to come shoot up DJ's house. When Tato arrived in a white Buick LaCrosse, Kelly told him the target house was the one with a lot of people in front of it. Tato circled the block several times before five shots from a 9mm handgun sent the young girl and her family fleeing into the house and prompting her sister to scream when she saw her wounded sibling. If convicted, Kelly could be sentenced up to 25 years in prison. All right, this... This is what is going on in the mean streets of Milwaukee. And people are going to be protesting law-abiding citizens down at the convention center for this NRA, let's learn how to carry guns event. I mean, seriously, you want to talk about a bunch of screwed-up priorities. This is where it exists. All right, big story number three. Former Republican Senator John Danforth, who must be, God, the guy must be 80. I mean, he was around forever. Um, He was a Republican. Um, He's out with a statement now saying that he considers President Trump to be hmm, the most divisive president in our history. Here's the story. Former Missouri GOP Senator John Danforth called President Trump the most divisive president in our history and warned Republicans not to let him tarnish the GOP's um, image. Trump is always eager to tell people that they don't belong here, um, whether it's Mexicans, Muslims, transgender people, or another group. His message is, you're not one of us, and when he has the opportunity to unite Americans, to inspire us, to call out the most hateful among us, the KKK and neo-Nazis, he refuses. This was a, um opinion piece that Danforth wrote that was published in the... Uh, uh, Washington Post, he, he's been out of the limelight for a long time. He was a Republican U.S. Senator from Missouri from 1976 to 1995. So he's been out of the spotlight for 20-some years. But he labels Donald Trump as the most divisive president in U.S. history. 414-799-1620, that is the ACUNET mortgage talk and text line. I do not, for the life of me, Understand how 200 days into an administration, you can say things like this. I understand that Donald Trump is controversial. As I have said repeatedly on this program, I think he is his, in many respects, own worst enemy when it comes to the the late night tweets when it comes to the thin-skinned approach to stuff, when it comes to the need to have to have the last word, when it comes to the obsessive narcissism. So I think he's his own worst enemy, but the most divisive president ever. Now, one of the things that is particularly aggravating to me about this is it seems like I am old enough to remember hearing this about literally every, oh well, I don't know about the first President Bush, but every Republican president that gets elected is the most divisive president ever. I remember when Ronald Reagan was elected. Oh my gosh, you've got this movie actor here. This is, he's dividing the country. Then, of course, when you had, you know, the second President Bush, oh, he's gotten us involved in these wars. He's the most divisive president ever. It seems to me that apparently any time you have a Republican that gets elected president, and I understand Danforth is a retired Republican senator who, like I say, has been out of the limelight for the better part of two decades. Whenever there is a Republican that is elected, it is the Republican that is the most divisive president ever. You don't hear that about Barack Obama. You don't hear about that about Bill Clinton. You hear it about Ronald Reagan. You hear about a George Bush, and now you hear about it about Donald Trump. All right, so 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It might be that after he completes his term, maybe you will be able to look back and say, Donald Trump is the most divisive president ever. I think it is way too early to make those type of statements. And again, this is, it is the narrative that is being peddled by some people. I understand there are aspects of Trump's style which is which are off-putting at best. But in many respects, the most divisive president ever. I don't think that measures up. Or at least I think it's way too soon to tell. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is big story number three. John Danforth saying, Donald Trump, 200 days in, the most divisive president ever. Is that true? Or is that just the narrative that some people are peddling? 414-799-1620. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 916. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Um. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The hype will be high for the Badgers football team this season. Is a playoff berth in their sights? Greg Matzik checks in with the Badgers voice, Matt LaPay. That's this evening on Sports Central 707. Be sure to check that out. We're right in the middle of discussing our big story number three, John Danforth, Danforth, who is was a three-term U.S. Senator from Missouri. He retired in 1995, so he's been out of the picture for 20-plus years. He's weighed in an opinion piece with the Washington Post that I'm sure they were thrilled to uh, publish, essentially arguing that 200 days into his administration, Donald Trump is the most divisive president ever. I-, I think that this is absurd, and it might very well turn out that that's that's how this whole thing plays out. But you're 200 days in. I understand, as I say, there are aspects of President Trump's personality, which candidly I think are off Putting. I understand that there are some people that don't like the message of Donald Trump, or, more importantly, perhaps, the way he ends up delivering it. And add me into that category. I mean, I, I, I do. I mean, I was I didn't like a lot of the stuff he said during the campaign, and I didn't like the way that he, he said it. And I will be the first to acknowledge, especially after that rally that you had in Phoenix on Tuesday, that I, I've never seen anything like this. He He's not presidential in this terms and what we typically think of as being presidential nevertheless that that is who he is and this idea that well we hate trump so it's him that's dividing the country i think it is equally likely that the people who are the trump haters are also as responsible for dividing the country the truth of the matter is I mean, there's not a lot, at least in my opinion, that Donald Trump can do at this point in time, short of a complete and total retreat on his different principles and the different things that he has run on. There's not a lot he could do to make the anti-Trump people happy. So what is he doing that divides the country? All right, so he says, well, I I think we need to crack down on illegal immigration. Okay, that's that divides the country. I mean, well, okay, maybe it divides it between people who think that you should be able to come into this country illegally and stay and not have consequences and not be deported. But, I mean, that's a, I think it is a mainstream sort of policy. Um, what does he do that divides the country? He says he supports voter ID because he believes there's voter fraud. Well, okay, that's, that's divisive. You know, I understand that there's some people out there who argue, well, this is discriminatory about people of color. I would argue those people that make that argument, well, they're, they're the dividers as well. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And I understand that this is the claim that's going to be out there now. If you support Republican policies, if you support a lot of the stuff that Trump is talking about, that means you have to be racist. That means you have to be a hater. That means you have to be a, a divider. Well, no, it it, it doesn't. I mean, just because you support, for example, crackdowns on illegal immigration doesn't mean that you are racist or that you are a hater. Just because... Well, Russ Feingold wrote an opinion piece over the weekend saying that Republicans are racist because they support mass incarceration. Mass incarceration, of course, is the code word for holding people who commit crimes accountable. So if you believe that people who are sticking guns in other people's faces, regardless of what their race is, deserve to be put in prison, you're a racist, give me a break. That's where the dividing is coming in. And I understand, once again, that President Trump's style gets in the way of, I think, the message of some of his policies. That is an issue, and it's something that he's got to figure out how to deal with if he wants to be reelected and he wants to have his presidency succeed. I think the style gets in the way of substance. But I've seen this argument come out time after time. Ronald Reagan, most divisive president ever. George Bush, most divisive president ever. You never hear this about the other side. Might Donald Trump turn out to be the most divisive president ever? Maybe. But the jury is real out, and it's way too soon to tell on that. And I think maybe sometimes the people who don't like Trump, who claim that Trump is dividing the country, maybe they need to look inward a little bit and determine whether or not they have a role in that. Just saying. All right, coming up next, a story about a guy who is learning... Now, well, some of the consequences of going on the internet. I'll tell you about it and we'll discuss. Stick around. It is nine twenty-four. This is Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. And the message is if you think if you think it's a good idea to publish stuff on the internet, you might want to think twice. Stick around. <laughs> Nine twenty-six. Chuck Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Brewers look to topple baseball's best team this weekend if they battle the Dodgers in Los Angeles. Jeff Levering and Lane Grindle begin our coverage of Game 1 this evening at 835. It is sponsored by your Milwaukee Honda dealers. Okay, yesterday I was explaining how I have, in the, the scheme of, of people that I have sympathy for, of the top 5,000, Colin Kaepernick is about 5,090. Um, He's, of course, the multi-millionaire former football player who created all the controversy by deciding, hey, I'm making eight or nine or ten million dollars guaranteed, but this is such an awful country. I'm not going to stand during the national anthem. Okay, so he did that. Um, His contract expired. He is without a team. Partly he is without a team because... He wants to be paid millions of dollars, and he's not that good. But partly he's uh, without a team because he is a hot potato. He is very, very controversial because of these stands. NFL TV ratings have been on the decline, and I think these player protests are one of the reasons for it. I understand why an employer would simply say this guy is not worth the aggravation. He's going to be a distraction. He's a backup quarterback. He's going to be a distraction who he is going to alienate a portion of the fan base. Who, who cares? Why do we need this? And so, I mean, I understand. So two days ago, there's a big protest outside the NFL in New York. One of God's ways of telling you is that you'd have too much damn time on your hands is if you could attend the Colin Kaepernick protest. And, and one of the things people say, well, the NFL is squashing his free speech rights. Well, free speech, the First Amendment, that applies to government restricting your right of, of speech. As a general rule, with a handful of exceptions, your free speech rights um, kind of end when you enter the workplace and you know people find that out to their I think surprise and um, moreover sometimes to their disappointment okay so here is the latest story and I want to discuss this with you all right um, you have you have the rally in Phoenix that Donald Trump was staging on Tuesday. you have all the counter protesters that show up. There is a guy named James Cabo who um, ends up posting a comment on Facebook. Big Dog, who's producing the show today. Whenever you go on Facebook, just you've got to be careful what you say. So, okay, you, you've got the protest. This is before the protest in Phoenix for the Trump rally. He goes on Facebook, and this is what he writes. You are all pathetic. Can't wait to drive through... Four by four with push bumper will be sweet in this crowd. I named my lifted truck Trumper, he wrote. And of course this this is in the aftermath of the crazy neo Nazi who drove into the crowd in Charlottesville and, and hit and killed the woman and injured all sorts of other people. So this guy goes on Facebook and says, It's directed to the protesters. You are all pathetic. Can't wait to drive through. Four by four with push bumpers will be sweet in this crowd. I named my lifted truck Trumper. All right. Um, People take screenshots of the post, and they're able to figure out who this guy ends up being. So then what happens is they identify him, and they find out the place where he works. And people start contacting the place where he works, which is this auto services store about 40 miles outside of downtown Phoenix. And so as soon as this happens, the store says West Valley Tire's Point S, wants to publicly state we do not condone or support violence or prejudice in any way, shape, or form. We were recently made aware of an employee that posted outrageous posts and videos that are in no way affiliated with the positive views, values, and appreciation we have for people in our community and throughout the world. This person is no longer affiliated with West Valley Tires. Point S. So in other words, after this guy gets called out for making these posts, his company fires him. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. Did he deserve to be fired from his job for putting this post up, a post he made on his own time, essentially saying, hey, I think it would be cool to drive through this crowd of protesters. 414-799-1620. I'll tell you where I come down on this. But what do you think? Was it fair to fire him for this post? <laughs> It's 9.35, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The newest candidate for governor acknowledges that it won't be easy, saying money is always a concern. John McHugh talks to state school superintendent. Tony Evers at 320 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Okay, here's the story we're discussing. Now, of course, there's been this huge controversy after the white supremacist, crazy 20-year-old neo-Nazi drives a car into a group of protesters in Charlottesville in a week and a half ago. Um, All right, last Tuesday night, big rally in Phoenix for President Trump. Lots of supporters inside the building. Lots of protesters outside. You have a guy who posts the following on Facebook, directed at the protesters. You are all pathetic. Can't wait to drive through. Four by four with push bumper will be sweet in this crowd. I named my lifted truck Trumper. And, of course, the reference here is to, again, What the crazy neo-Nazi did in Charlottesville a week and a half ago. All right, um, he takes it down pretty quickly. But before he can do that, people take screen captures of this. They're ultimately able to determine that he works at some tire supply store 40 miles outside of Phoenix. And they start calling and barraging the, the owner. And the owner issues a statement saying, we have now fired him. For his point, part that the guy who posted this says, "Look, I, I was I was just kidding. I never hurt anybody, nor did I have the intent to. I never said I was actually going to hit anybody with a the vehicle. They assumed it. Never would have thought it would be a big deal." Hmm. Um. Let, let me just stop there for a second. Never assumed why it would be a big deal. Okay. Gee, I'm going on Facebook, and I'm going to put a posting out saying that, gee, it's going to be sweet to drive through this crowd with my 4x4, I never figured it would be a big deal. Hmm. 414-799-1620, that is the acunate mortgage uh, talk and text line. Uh, here's the deal. Just like I have no sympathy for Colin Kaepernick, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, I guess, gets to do what he wants to do, but the result is you have to have the con- suffer the consequences for your actions, and the consequences is are that you know in Colin Kaepernick's case, you have NFL owners who apparently just think he's going to be too much of a distraction to spend millions of dollars on him. In this particular situation, all right, yes, does the guy have theoretically a First Amendment right to post what he wants to post? Yes, but at the same time, there are consequences of that, and you know his employer, all of a sudden the employer is getting all sorts of pressure. This guy's talking about driving through a crowd, um, you know, with his four by four. Unfortunately for him, I think the employer had every right to get rid of him. And I understand the employer's position on this. Now maybe you argue about double standards. Maybe you could say, Jeff, switch this up. If if the if the situation were I don't know one of the the hardcore, you know, militant, you know, Trump protesters who posted something saying, I'd like to drive through a crowd of, you know, Trump supporters. Would the result be the same? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do know, at least in my opinion, that when you decide to take to social media, and you decide to say things which are provocative in the extreme, you got to understand that there will potentially be consequences. And in this particular case, uh, the employer of this guy is like, hey, we're getting all these calls, we're getting all this pressure. Um, we don't support the type of things that he is implying. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is why whether he was intending it as a very, very tasteless joke or, or not. And you know, I, I suspect he, he didn't show up. I don't think that he ever intended to do it. He thought he was being clever. But all right, this is the consequence for being clever. And if you're on the right or the left, conservative, liberal, you need to think these things through because there are going to be consequences. I think the employer had every right to fire him. Let's talk to Larry in Johnsburg. Larry, you're on 620 T M J.
1: Yes, I agree. The employer had a right to fire him. Recently, I put a posting in my neighborhood because people were dumping yard waste on, on a lot. Okay. And I had realized my, on the bottom of the stationery, I used my employer's name and address was there. Right. Before I posted that, I took that off there because this is my personal opinion and nothing to do with my employer. Right. And I didn't want anything with my employer's name on there. Because then, then they look bad.
0: Well, right, and it and it re, and it reflects again. We live in this as a general rule. People are at-will employees. They can be fired for any reason or no reason. And in this particular situation, I understand the employer is probably saying, oh, my gosh, we've got all this going on. This guy is posting things where he is, whether it's a joke or not, talking about driving through a crowd of people in a four-by-four. What could he possibly have been thinking? I don't want to get phone calls for the next, you know, three months. I don't want boycotts of my business. I mean, I think the guy brought it on himself. Now thanks to the call. I mean he brought it on himself by what he ended up doing and saying. Now I get that this can be a slippery slope. You know, if he had simply said instead of instead of saying I, I got my four x four and I'm going it's gonna be sweet when I drive through the crowd, if he had just I don't know, criticize the protesters. Oh, these are violent protesters. They need to get a life. And he was fired for that. I, I might have a different sort of position on this. But that's not what he said. He talked about driving through a crowd of people in his 4x4. Four four, and he says in retrospect, gee, I didn't understand why this would be a big deal. What? Jeff in Fox Point sends me a text. Yes, he should have been fired because it shows poor judgment. I would be a much stronger yes if he had his place of employment listed on his page and talked openly about his job because he would be poorly representing the organization. Um, he didn't. He didn't. But at the same time, I think it's very, very clear that the people knew, you know, you know what he was doing. Um, another text. Whether, Whenever an employee in any space or setting makes death threats, and extremely insensitive comments, it is the right of the employer to terminate them, Facebook included. That's Sean. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is, uh, again, maybe it is a matter of degree. And if his comments had been just his expressions of political opinion, and that had got him sacked, I would probably have a different position on this. But but joke or not, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about driving through a crowd of people. Bobby sends me a text. The one liberal who went through Chick-fil-A drive-thru was fired for much less. I'm not sure what they're referring to. And he still can't get a job years later. No sympathy here for either one. I don't have any sympathy. Um, it's just... This is this is the lesson. And it's one of the dangers, again, of the Internet. We talk about this over and over again. As somebody who gets hundreds and hundreds of messages a day, whether it's texts or emails or tweets or, or whatever... It's, it's very apparent to me that the anonymity of the Internet emboldens people to say things that they, I don't think, would say in person. It also, um, I, I don't know, I, I've always, I, I've said this before. I mean, I had, a, I had a professor of mine in law school who always used to say, when you're practicing law, there will be people who irritate you. They said, my advice is, if you get really mad, what you do is you sit and you, you write the letter you know, just just go ahead. Write the letter to them, you know, and just vent. But instead of sending out that letter, now this is back in the days when you actually, like, sent letters, put it in your desk for for a day, and then look at it the next day and see if you feel the same way. And I I will tell you, I always followed that advice, and almost always, almost always, by the next day, I I, I had calmed down enough that I, I didn't. I might want to say some of the things, but I'd say them in a different fashion. The problem is, nowadays, that you don't have desks to put letters in. All you do is you say, oh, hey, well, I think this is clever. I think this is fun. I'm going to make reference to driving through a crowd. I intend it as a joke. Ha, ha, ha. And then you hit the post button or the send button or whatever, and it is out there forever. And you do, I think, have to live with some of the consequences. Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
1: Yeah, they did this stuff in Spain. They drove that van through that crowd of people, and then they were considered
2: terrorists. So, I mean, this guy's technically making a terrorist threat on Facebook is what he did.
0: Yeah, now he like, says he was just joking around, but, yeah. But, but, yeah.
2: They, <laughs> no, you can't tell that just because somebody nope. said they were joking.
0: I, I, I think, a think terrorist no.
2: terrorist isn't going to tell you that. He's going to blow up something until after he does it, pretty much. I mean, we've seen that from the past.
0: You know? uh, no, i i, I brian, I, I I'm with you. I mean, I, it is I, I just I look at the guy <laughs> this, this, if, if if you wanted to feel sorry for him and I don't know that anybody necessarily did, now that he's he's been fired, he's kind of got his moments of 15 minutes of fame, he says um, he stands by what he said. (laughs) He stands by what he said. Um, He said, I never hurt anybody, nor did I have the intent to. I never said I was actually going to hit anybody with a vehicle. They assumed it. Never would have thought it would have been a big deal. I can't get past that last statement. I never thought it would have been a big deal. Okay, the entire country... The entire country is riveted and with President Trump's response to what happened in Charlottesville. And again, I don't care about where you come down on the Trump response, but okay, what happened in Charlottesville? Crazy neo-Nazi drives and kills a woman after driving a car into a crowd of people. And here, you go and post on Facebook that, hey, you can't wait to drive through... The crowd, 4x4 four four with push bumper, will be sweet in this crowd, and you never thought it would be a big deal. Well, okay, you should be fired for stupidity, if nothing else. It is 946. When we come back, Court of Appeals says a assistant football coach can't say a prayer on the football field. It is an example of how ridiculous the court system in this country has become. It's 946. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 949. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The impact of the Foxconn deal will be felt throughout the state in a myriad of ways. um, In a myriad of ways, one of them among Wisconsin's tech schools. The president of Gateway Tech joins Confedian Bill Stats Friday Forum. That is today at 2.07 with the details. Be sure to check that out. Okay, coming up in about 15 minutes, the battle over Confederate monuments. Well, now now it is broadened. Now it's just not Confederate monuments, it's pretty much any monument that anybody can be offended about. We're going to be talking about that. But first, an update on a story that we discussed once or twice over the past year and a half. It involves a man um, who was a football coach in in Washington, an assistant football coach at, at a place called Bremerton High School. His name is Joe Kennedy. Joe Kennedy is an avowed Christian. What he, and he was an assistant football coach at the school from like 2008 to 2015. What he would do is, initially, he would lead players in post-game prayers. It was a voluntary type of thing, but, you know, he would lead players in post-game prayers. The school district got the religious heebie-jeebies and said, no you know that you can't you know you're the assistant football coach even though it's voluntary you can't lead the players in in prayers that is violating the separation of church and state in some way so he said okay fine i won't lead them in prayers so what he started doing is after the games He would walk out to the center of the The game is over. You know, all the players are there. They're shaking hands with each other, things like that. He would walk out to the center of the field. He would take a knee, a la Colin Kaepernick. He would bow his head, and he would essentially say a private prayer to himself, where you know he thanked God for. All his blessings and the fact that nobody had been injured during the game, those things. So this wasn't a public prayer. He was doing this, and it wasn't like over the loudspeaker. He would just go out and he would take a a knee, kneel down, bow his head, and say a prayer. What happened was some of the kids from his team and some of the other teams would see him doing this. So they would gather around him. While, while he did this he wasn't leading them in prayer but he was saying a, a small prayer at the middle of the football field after the game the school district said nope stop that stop that you're not allowed to do that to which he said well this is ridiculous he said I'm I'm not leading a public prayer I mean I'm just I'm going out there and I'm thanking God for the fact that we got through this football game people didn't get hurt etc the school district says don't do that well he does it And they fire him. So then he he sues. And the case goes, again, this is Washington State, so it goes to ultimately the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the most liberal court of appeals in the country. And yesterday, the Court of Appeals upholds his firing, saying, well, he was acting as a public employee. When he conducted these, so he deserves to be fired. By kneeling and praying on the 50 yard line immediately after games while in the view of students and parents, this is the court, Kennedy was sending a message about what he values as a coach, what the district considers appropriate behavior, and what students should believe or how they ought to behave. The court goes on to say that Kennedy took advantage of his position to press his particular views upon the impressionable and captive minds before him. 414-799-1620 This ruling is, in my opinion, nuts. And it is an example of how out of whack with values we have gotten in this country. And how out of whack the court system has gotten. This idea that because this man after the game, decides to go out and kneel down. I mean, it's not a student-led prayer. He decides he's going to go out and say a prayer. But the fact that he's an assistant coach means that he cannot do this. And this idea that, gee, um, you, know, you are sending a message to take advantage of his position, to press his particular views upon impressionable and captive minds before him, he is absolutely ridiculous. And in my opinion, at least, it shows some of the anti-religion bias that it continues to pervade this country. 414-799-1620, that is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. Should somebody really lose their job for going out after a football game, kneeling and saying a prayer, um, merely because people can watch you do that? That's essentially what this says. 414-799-1620. This is a horrible, horrible decision that definitely, I think, needs to get looked at by the Supreme Court. 414 1620 We discuss next. It's 954. This is Jeff Wagner. 957. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's start with Dwayne. Dwayne, good morning. Good morning, Jeff.
3: Um, I hate to say it but the guy got what he deserved
0: deserved to be fired uh, tell me why
4: well
3: here's the thing boss told him please don't do that
4: mm-hmm. he went back and did it again and obviously it didn't do any good
3: My, myself i don't have a problem with what he did however from the aspect of you know the, the boss is the boss and it is you know it is what it is
0: well i mean do you think do you think a, a do you think an employer has a right to, I don't know, restrict somebody's show of, of, of religion? I mean, could an employer go and say, hey, um, it's at the, you know, at the end of your workday, you know, we're not going to let you sit and bow your head and say a silent prayer? I mean, do you think that they could tell you that?
4: If ha, n- y- Yes and no. When it's in a public forum and mm-hmm.
3: you're held to a different standard, I'm guessing so. I don't like to I don't like it any more than anybody else, but I look at it from the aspect, you know, they they want to be above reproach and want to be transparent. Ah, mm-hmm. I don't like it, but I can I can definitely understand why should sure. he been fired. I don't know, but how many warnings do you get?
0: Well, I mean, no, they told him not to do it, and he clearly thinks he, that they were infringing on his rights. Okay, thanks to Caldwell, they, they they told him not to do it, and, and he said, "Well, no, I I have a." I, I, I have a, I have a, I have a right, you know, to to in this case, sort of to, to thank God, and I mean, you know, if you're going to limit my religious rights, especially, again, it, it's it's it is after the game, so technically he's on his own time. Now he does walk out to the center of the field to do this, but. Um, you know, is this a reasonable restriction of your rights? I mean, keep in mind, you, you have a, you, employers have an obligation to accommodate people's... 6, 10 or 9. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're just tuning in, here's what we're talking about. He's football, assistant football coach at a high school in Washington State. um evangelical Christian. What he does is, after the football game is over, he walks out onto the field, um, he takes a knee, he says a silent prayer. School told him, don't do that because uh, we, we think that people can see you um, and they're going to think presumably that we're endorsing some form of religion. He says, no, I have a right to do this. You, know, you, you can't stop me from my legitimate exercise in religion. I, I'm not leading kids in a prayer. I go out, I kneel, I say a 30-second prayer, and then I move on. He refuses to stop doing it. He gets fired. He sues. Yesterday, a panel of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the most liberal court in the country, says, well, well, no, he, he, he's a. I mean, the rationale is really interesting. By kneeling and praying on the 50 yard line immediately after game, while in games, in the view of students and parents, he was sending a message about what he values as a coach. What the district considers appropriate behavior and what students should believe or how they ought to believe, he added, they'd say, he took advantage of his position to press his particular views upon impressionable and captive minds before him. What this court decision is therefore saying is that any, any public employee, in this case like a football coach, who makes any expression of religion at all, for example, let's say you're on the sidelines and I don't know. You cross yourself. That would be violative of the rules. Really. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Todd in Sheboygan. Todd, you're on six twenty. Btmj. Good morning.
2: Hey. Good morning. What do you think? Well, I I, I agree with that. The previous caller. I I mean, this coach knows knows the rules, and in a public school, there is a there is a definite uh, definition of separation of church and state. Especially not only for praying, but also teaching religion uh, in the classroom. Mm-hmm.
0: But he's not so, teaching religion. In cl- but he's not that. teaching religion that's in the classroom.
2: That. No, I understand that, but I'm just saying, as a, as a teacher, you can't teach religious beliefs in a classroom. Uh, so he he knew the he knew the rules. Now the only question I got is this guy: if this coach is that strong in his religious convictions. Back in the day when I was in high school, there was an organization called uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh-huh. Now, I, I I wasn't a part of that. I, I don't know what their um, what their um, format is as far as getting athletes together to mm-hmm. you know discuss and do right. the Christian beliefs and that. If it's done in in school,
0: no, I'm sure it has to be done outside uh, of school. Todd, let me right. ask you. Let me ask you this. Let me let me. If instead of a, a football coach, let's say you had a teacher at a public school who is sitting in, it's a it's a joint, it's the cafeteria, so the teacher eats lunch in the same cafeteria the students eat in, and before the teacher sits down and before he or she has their meal, they bow their head and say a, like a silent prayer, you know, just give thanks like people do. Right, do you yeah. think the school would have the right to say you can't? You, you can't say this prayer before you eat.
2: You know, I, probably not. But I, I I don't know how much of that if that's even being done. Um,
0: okay. All right. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I throw that because I mean, it seems to me, in all honesty, that that's the same, the the, the school, the school and the is taking the position and the court is supporting the idea that if you are a public employee, in this case it's the football, the assistant football coach, and you, while you're on, I guess, the public dime, you know, it's it's after the game, but still, okay, it's you you do something and make a public display of your religious belief. You're not entitled to do that. Right, that that. So I mean, I I do. I mean, I think that's that is the logical extension. What if you've got the teacher that's sitting in the the cafeteria, um, buys their lunch, sits down and says a prayer, silent prayer, doesn't lead anybody in prayer, just says a silent prayer, bows his or her head um, before they eat because they're doing it in front of. I mean, theoretically, people could be watching them, him or her. Do, Do have? Are we really saying? that you, you don't have the right to sit and, for example, pray before your, your noontime meal if you're in a public school. Four one four Let's talk to Tom in uh, Wauwatosa. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Jeff.
5: <clears throat>
3: Jeff, I, I support his right to do that, absolutely. And I will tell you, I guarantee you, this would have had a totally different outcome had he been Muslim. Or had he been protesting uh, transgender
0: participation <laughs> in the school?
3: Those are sacred cows.
5: Well, it, it, Christians
3: it, it, are being ridiculed and put down every day now.
0: Well, it, it would be interesting if um, you know. I, I, let, let's take the let's take the Muslim example. If, for example, um, there was. You know, he was pushing to do one of the daily devotions, and it came up during the time of football practice. And the, the school decided, we're not going to allow you, you know, five minutes during the football practice to, uh, again, say your devotions. You know it would be a completely different. First of all, the school wouldn't do that, I don't think. And secondly, they yeah, no, they wouldn't come up. Right right, exactly and, and, and with all the arguments that they are making, oh it's public you're you know you're essentially you know taking these impressionable young minds, that wouldn't come into play. no thanks no I, I mean I just I think that that's absolutely true and again i I try to think through where this goes and this is what is scary to me if this uh, again the, what the court is essentially saying, and the school district is saying is if you are a teacher, football coach, whatever. You are not permitted to engage in any sort of public display of religion where you can, where you are in view of other people. I am sorry. That's nuts. Th- that Constitution can't mean that. The Constitution can't mean that, you know if you're having lunch in the cafeteria you can't say the you can't bow your head and clasp your hands and say the 15 second or 10 second prayer thanking God for your meal. the, the Constitution can't mean that you can't do that. The Constitution can't mean that after the game you can't if you're the view of the public you can't walk out and, and take this knee and say the silent prayer. I, I mean it, it just it just can't mean that. Can it really? Let's talk to Joe in Oconomowoc. Joe, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hey,
3: good morning. Thanks for taking Hi, the call. Hi, Joe. You know, it's getting ludicrous. It's actually the point where you know it's it's, it's becoming a joke. You know, now I got to worry about you know who's following me. If I was a <laughs> teacher and it's one of my students, and I'm turning into my church on Sunday. You know, it, really, you know, it's uh, it, it's out there on the flip side. You know, I got to worry about sending my uh, child to school and worry about whether. Someone who identifies as a, as as a female but is really a male is going to be in that bathroom or that locker room. Um,
5: side,
3: I mean, where yeah. do we draw the lines here? This is this has actually gotten well, it, so it, far it, out of line.
0: It, it has. I mean, it, and I guess that's what struck me about the story. It is just so again completely out of whack. Now, thanks to Kana I have a number of people who are texting me in or, or calling up saying, "Okay, he, he's he's fired for violating the rules." Well, it's it's not that simple, you know you. You know, employers, even public employers, have a duty to make reasonable accommodations for people's religious beliefs. And, and the key is is reasonable but you you can't have a rule. An employer can't simply say, come in and say, All right, Jeff, um, we're we're not going to allow you to say a silent prayer at your desk. They could say we don't want to pray on the on the radio, but they could they they you know, they would have to have a reason for saying, and a pretty good reason for saying, you know, we're if, you know, we're. we're let me take the example I've been giving. Um, we don't have a lunch room here, but if we did. Um, and they would say, Jeff, we don't want you exercising, you know, we don't want you saying a prayer before you eat for whatever reason. They would have to have a, a justifiable reason for doing that. So, I mean, you can't, when it comes to restricting people's religious rights, you have to have a reason for that. And, and this idea that somebody might see you, to me, is just a, a ridiculous sort of reason. Tim in Clinton. Tim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey,
4: Jeff. Uh, yeah, I'm a an assistant high school football coach here in the state, and uh, you know, um, uh, our our stadium is our high school is a little ways away. We so the kids walk down, and on my walk down, I stop at a monument that uh, they put up for a, a young man that was uh, killed in uh, Afghanistan in, in in the war. And uh, I stop and take off my hat, bow my head, say a little little yeah. prayer, and uh, you know, it's out and where anybody can drive by and see. Um, and better also then be, better be the, careful,
0: after, Tim, because it sounds to me like you if your school district told you stop doing that, you might be running afoul of this court decision. <laughs>
4: well, then they would, yeah, then they could take me to court because I wouldn't stop. But I mean, and then, you know, after we do the national anthem, um, you know, I always do a little cross and just, it's just, I don't think anybody's even noticed. I don't know if they have or they haven't. Uh, on Fridays, uh, the morning, uh, when school starts, we have a breakfast for our team that a local church puts on. A pastor gets up, gives a, a talk, and it's usually about John Wooden's uh, pyramid of success or right. something along those lines. But we always, uh, before we eat, say a prayer, um, and it's just what we do on Fridays. Yeah,
0: <laughs> now, right? I mean, I guess thanks. I mean, I wonder how far this goes. Now, thanks, because what, what about, what about in your situation? So, so you're there. You're on school grounds. You're doing this. What about the kids who walk by and they see this this prayer breakfast going on? This is just. I'm sorry. It's just bizarre. The Constitution cannot mean this. Now, I understand it would be one thing if you would say, as a condition of playing on this football team, you've got to participate in the student-led prayer or in this in this coach-led prayer. I get that. But this guy, he's taking a knee. He's saying the silent prayer. Um, That's that's what is just bizarre to me. And. Um, I I don't know if they're going to appeal this to the Supreme Court. I hope more of these, quote-unquote, separation of church and state cases start going up, because I think we're so out of whack when it comes to, again, trying to get particularly Christianity and any references to Christianity out of the public schools that it needs to be reined in. Okay, coming up in just a couple minutes... You've got the War on Christianity. Now you have the War on Historical Monuments. If you thought it was going to stop at Confederate monuments, you are wrong. Stick around. It's 1021. This is Jeff Wagner. It's
5: 1024.
0: Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett says that without help from Madison, police officer positions in his city will be eliminated. The mayor joins John McHugh live at 420 today on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. By the way, I, I, I've weighed in on this. I don't oppose a, a sales tax, a dedicated sales tax to help pay for fire and police. So let, let's get that out of the way. But th- this idea of, of pleading poverty. And I understand the police take more and more of a part of Milwaukee's budget, but the idea of pleading poverty when you have all these... We don't talk about getting rid of like staffers that the aldermen have, or, or getting rid of... OK, some of the, the people that are out there, you know, on the mayor's staff or we, we don't talk about, oh, I don't know, maybe not spending a couple million dollars in operating costs on, on the trolleys. But it's we need all this money. We, there's nowhere we can cut. We need all this money or else we can't fill 84 spots on the police department. I mean, it's, isn't that just kind of an interesting philosophy? And again, I, I, I don't the pro, crime in Milwaukee is out of control. There's just no question about it. And one of the steps to deal with it is to, again, you, you need more officers on the street. So if you got to do this to pay for it, it's fine. But um, I, I tell you, you could hire a couple of those police officers if we weren't getting ready to pay operating costs for Tom's trolley folly. Just saying. My guess is there's aides to aldermen and aides to the mayor and a whole bunch of mid-level bureaucrats that, well, if, if they left tomorrow... You wouldn't necessarily miss them. I'm not calling for these people to be fired. I don't like to see people lose their jobs. But it is interesting to me that whenever you have a financial crisis, you don't go after the mid-level bureaucrats. You go after the police positions. Um, just, just saying. Hey, speaking of schools, um, as an update to what we've talked about over the last two days, this MPS teacher who was attacked earlier this week at South Division High School, MPS back in session for all of a week, and you have the brutal beatdown of of a teacher in a classroom. And, of course, the untold story about this is stuff like this happens on an almost daily basis at, at MPS schools. Um, it's maybe not to this extent, but, you know, we've discussed this over the last couple of days. We've gotten calls from teachers who've just said, you should see what goes on in elementary schools. It's at the elementary level. People being attacked. Teachers are being attacked. And that the schools, as a general rule, or at least in some cases, they they just don't want this to be publicized. They sweep this under the rug because they don't want their numbers to look bad at the end of the year when, gee, how many kids got expelled, how many kids got disciplined. They, they They don't care about the reality. They just don't want the perception to be that the schools are dangerous. So you've got this going on. You know, you talk to teachers, they know the difference. They know how dangerous it is in the classroom. And then even when some of these violent thugs are, are expelled, all that is, it's the dance of the lemons. They're expelled from one school, but they end up in another MPS school where they can terrorize the teachers at that school or their fellow classmates. It is an absolute nightmare and It's not going to end until you get the thugs out of the classrooms. And that's why it's going to be really, really, really interesting to me to see what happens to the 16-year-old who attacked the teacher. You know, is the district attorney going to charge him? Is the district attorney going to charge him as an adult? Anything short of that would be... I think just absolutely outrageous um the m p s teacher is talking he's now on leave due to his injuries. He says he doesn't even remember this i mean he was he was essentially knocked unconscious uh the teacher says he this was Fox Six had the report he's approaching retirement age yeah okay so you you've got you know an older teacher that's now being beaten up by this thug. And we wonder why kids can't read, and we wonder why parents don't want to send their kids to MPS schools. It's 1028. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1036. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I am genuinely so happy to have you spending... Friday mornings, we do not, with me, we do not go quietly into the good weekend here. A lot of interesting sports programming coming up. Uh, typically, the, the most important preseason game is the third game of the year. Um, you can hear that Saturday night. The Packers travel to Denver. Also, big weekend for the Brewers. This is, uh, it's going to be tough. Los Angeles already won 90 games. Los Angeles Dodgers, maybe. May might be the best baseball team, not just this year, but maybe the best baseball team to come along in a long time. And the Brewers have a tough three-game series. I think now they're three games behind the Cubs. They they, they got to win one. I think they've. We both think they have to win two out of three games to, I mean, you just, you don't want to be five or six games behind the Cubs coming back from the road trip. So, uh, and then of course you come back from the road trip and you play the Cardinals and the Nationals. That's not any, uh, bed of roses either. Uh, NFL players continue to protest racial injustices by kneeling during pregame activities. Packers safety, haha, Clinton Dix is doing something a little different. Greg Matzik shares the story at 6.45 tonight on Sports Central. And uh, yeah, tune in to hear Greg's uh, description of that. My, I, I think Haha ha Clinton Dix is doing something that's actually a lot more constructive than some of these protests as well. All right. There has been, of course, a, an, an ongoing controversy for the last couple years that really came to a head a week and a half ago in Charlottesville over Confederate monuments. You know, um, and of course, the the debate is now escalated because th- th- this debate over this Robert E. Lee statue that they had in Charlottesville, Virginia, it, it really—if you talk to people from Charlottesville, th- this was not th- this was not a big deal to anybody there. Um, but it, it became an, a national issue when you had the white supremacists decide that they're going to march to support the statue, and then you have the counter protesters show up, and then you have the violence that occurred. All all these different types of things, and of course now. Now you have the, the, you know, hippy dippy aging mayor of Madison who wants to go into graveyards in Madison, for example, and, and remove monuments to a mass grave of what X number of Confederate soldiers who died, you know, uh, during the Civil War wants to remove the monument that, that acknowledges their, their burial. It's just, but it's, it's again, in my opinion, it has become, Political correctness just absolutely run a- amok to an extent. Now, I'm as far as Confederate monuments. I-, I think it should be a local decision as to whether to remove it or not. But this idea that you have people that are now going to go vandalize statues and things like that, I, I don't buy into that. But if you thought it was going to end with Confederate monuments, you are sorely mistaken because the war on political correctness is now expanding. There's a really interesting story in the New York Times and it kind of it capsulizes a series of stories that I've actually been kind of carrying around with me to talk about with you. Let me read you a portion of it and then we're going to discuss. Far from Dixie, outcry grows over a wider array of monuments. It began with calls to remove Confederate generals. But since the violence in Charlottesville two weeks ago, the anger from the left over monuments and public images deemed racist, insensitive, or inappropriate has quickly spread. It has spread to statues of Christopher Columbus, a statue of the former Philadelphia tough cop mayor Frank Rizzo. It has spread to Boston's landmark Faneuil Hall. I think that's how you say it. Um, it has spread to a popular Chicago thoroughfare and even Maryland state song. All right. Let me let me walk through some of this. Um, okay, in in New York, the mayor has not ruled out removing Manhattan's Columbus Circle statue. In Manhattan, they have a statue of Christopher Columbus. It is the Columbus Circle. It's a seventy foot tall statue as a pedestal the city is going to look at that to determine whether Christopher Columbus is a symbol of hate in Philadelphia in, there's a statue of the former mayor Frank Rizzo some blacks hated Frank Rizzo because of some of the tactics that Philadelphia has now had to place barricades and guards around the statue because you have at least one city councilwoman saying take the Rizzo statue down um, in Chicago, oh, this is another one of these stories. Um, there is a statue of somebody named Italo Balbo, an Italian air marshal. All right, and and this is Balbo Drive is one of the main thoroughfares down in Chicago. Um, this statue was presented to the city by Benito Mussolini in 1933. It has been there since 1933. There are people saying, well, Mussolini donated this this statue. Um, We we have to take this down. We cannot have this there. In Boston, there are calls for renaming historic Fanule. I think that's how you say it, Hall, because Peter Fanule, who donated the building to the city in, wait for this, 1743. So the building, you're talking 280 years um, now there are calls to rename this because he was a slave owner. Um, Columbus, of course, um, is hated because Columbus um, uh, had impact on native people. In Baltimore, in addition, we we're talking about the New York thing. In Baltimore, a monument to Christopher Columbus, more than 200 years old, was defaced on Monday... As a guy stood um, carrying a sign calling racism, tear it down. In Detroit, protesters gathered on Saturday at a Columbus statue. And like I say, you've got the thing going on in New York. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate mortgage talk and text line. All right, th- this is now spreading beyond Confederate monuments. This, in my opinion, as a general rule, is the war on, this is political correctness that is run amok. This is people with way too much time on their hands who are attempting to sanitize history. Really, you got to tear down a statue of Christopher Columbus. Really, you've got to rename Columbus Circle. Really, you've got a statue donated by Mussolini in 1933, uh, Balbo Drive. Major thoroughfare, we, we have to take this down. I mean, cannot we appreciate our history, good and bad, but now any statue has to go? 414 799 1620, that is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. This is a scary, I mean, scary trend that some of the forces of political correctness are now pushing. This goes beyond Confederate monuments, and this goes towards the history, the shared history of people in this country. And I wonder where it is going to end. 414-799-1620, we discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1044. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1046, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I mean... Uh, look, if you thought, seriously, this was going to stop at Confederate monuments, you are wrong. And now this is spread out all across the country where you have these activists who are, are going after history. Whether it's, let's get rid of Christopher Columbus. You can't have a statue recognizing Christopher Columbus because of the impact that he had on um, the native peoples. You You can't have... Oh, monuments or buildings named after people who donated them in 1743 because they were slave owners, despite the fact that there were lots of people who were slave owners in 1743. I think this is a dangerous trend to sanitize history. This goes beyond whether or not there should be a Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, you wonder where this is going to end. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Anthony in Waukesha. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you. Although, this gets me worked up, legitimately.
3: It does, and I agree. Um, these people are textbook fascists. Yes. If they want to rip down Faneuil in New York, which dates back to the 1700s, well, the United States allowed slaves in the 17 and even into well into the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Therefore, in their fascist mind, the Constitution the very United States of America, must be torn down and rebuilt in their fascist design because this is all an agenda that's been around for a long time, and these current issues, Jeff, are just more evil and an opportunity to bring this up and to take a little bit more liberty away. First, a long time back, it was take away the Our Father, take away the Ten Commandments, Get the church, way they they pull church, and now people are ripe to be taken advantage of, all because they are truly
0: fascist. Well, and it, it they is, they and, are hate. Well, right, th- right, and it's it's like right, thanks. It, it's okay, we're. We're going to have this kind of revisionist views. We're going to look at this. And, and now, if there's anything, if there is anything in the background of an historical figure that we find judging by 2017 standards to be unacceptable, well, then it, it's got to come down. We, we can't honor this. We can't recognize it. Justin sends me a text. 1984 is here, and now it's... Only, it's not the government that's being the censors. It's the po- people influenced by. He says the politically correct, um, you know, media. Um, okay, another text. What if I said I was offended by Martin Luther King? Could I demand the street in Milwaukee named after him have the name changed to something neutral like Bluebird Lane, Lane, and all his statues torn down? Well, that that becomes a question. I mean, what if? Not today. Not tomorrow. But if, what if, for whatever reasons, ten years from now, twenty years, thirty years from now, all right, people decide that um, Martin Luther King isn't worthy of recognition, or there are aspects of what you know he talked about that they are offended by? I'm not suggesting that that's a rational view, but what if, if that was the case, then do you tear down the the Martin Luther King statues? I mean, this it is becoming literally like what happens in the Soviet Union. It just is where you have, okay, one dictator comes into power, and then you erase all recognition of, you know, the other people who were the dictators. 414 Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Jason? Okay, let's try. Um, let's see. Ross in Cadahe Ross, you're on 620 WTMJ. Uh,
2: good morning, Jeff. I got... Two different points. Uh, one is that they can't make up their minds because when ESPN had their mock draft of, uh, they did an auction-style fantasy football draft. Everybody was up in arms saying it was like a slave auction. But then when ESPN has the foresight to say, well, we have this Robert Lee doing a game at Virginia. We don't think this is right. We're going to put him over here just to get rid of attention. They're saying, oh, gosh, how dumb do you think we are? We knew that wasn't, you know, had nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. That's number... That's one, and I'm just wondering, where is this going to end? Are we only going to have six wonders of the world because <laughs> the pyramids of Giza weren't built by union carpenters? Or,
0: or, 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 or? they were built by slaves, right? They were exactly. built by slaves. Yeah, No let, let's let actually, thanks let, a Let's, let's level the pyramids. You know, we can't recognize this stuff. Uh, Dave and Racine text. Jeff, do you think the next step would be removing any mention about the Confederacy and Robert E. Lee and school history books? Yeah, maybe, maybe so. What about, I mean, I was talking about this the other day. Alright, what, what about Gone with the Wind? You know, the, the incredibly popular, incredibly, the movie and the book. Have we now, are we now at a point where you, you can't In a public high school, for example, you you can't assign Gone with the Wind because, gee, it has, in some people's view, kind of a sympathetic, perhaps takes a sympathetic take on on some of the the plantations and on Tara and things like that. Are we? What about the networks? Can you show the movie Gone with the Wind anymore? Because my my gosh, um, maybe it glorifies you know some of the southern lifestyle before the Civil War. I mean, again, it's what point do we say that this is this is our history? It's good and bad, but you can't have a monument to Columbus. You can't have a statue recognizing the long-standing mayor of Philadelphia because, gee, by two thousand seventeen standards, some people don't like the job the guy did. I mean, seriously. How far do we go in connection with this? Stephanie in New Berlin. Stephanie, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Hi, hi Stephanie.
6: Um, my husband's a big fan of your show. <laughs> oh,
0: well, how about you? You're calling in. <laughs>
6: Oh, he encourages me.
0: Okay, good enough. <laughs>
6: um, I consider myself to be a, um, a very progressive, what most people would probably consider liberal, and I think it's, the idea is absolutely asinine. I think it's so ignorant. I think it's it's ignorance that's going to breed more ignorance because if you start taking apart and sanitizing everything, I mean, you can take anything, any part of any history, and there is so much good and so much bad, and you can peel apart these layers, and if you just start throwing things away, it's like throwing away a baby with the bathwater. I mean, you take Christopher Columbus, for example. I absolutely think that he's a douche, but you take away some of these things, and you sanitize it, and not only does it take away the history, but that we're doomed to repeat history. Mm-hmm. If people don't learn the good and the bad then it's gonna what are we gonna have? Then we have kids that are more ignorant and that don't know any of the history on either side yeah. and we just sanitize it to what to what end, you know, and then nobody knows anything. If anything maybe I mean maybe and I think the whole idea is ridiculous, but I think maybe to satisfy these people, you don't tear apart what little like what little monuments and what little history because the country is so young to begin with. Mm-hmm. You don't start tearing away some of these things that we've had for so long. Maybe to satisfy these people, we can add placards to add some. Some intelligent, like information, to it on both sides, but uh, you don't just start tearing things apart. That is ridiculous. Well,
0: well, right. You, you. I mean, history is is what history is. Thanks to the call, Stephanie. And liberals are always welcome as well. I mean, this. You know, we talk about a variation of this. All right. I mean, some people are going after George Washington. George Washington was a slave owner. All right. So what what does that mean? We now have to rename Washington D.C. Because he was a, a slave owner, um, you know. All right, at, at, where do you end up drawing the line? And to me, you, you have to you have to have some historical kind of context, and you, you have to view people by what the norms were of of the day. And, um, all right, you might be appalled by slavery. I think everybody's appalled by slavery. It was a dark point in this in this country's history. There, there's no question about it. But does that mean that you can't acknowledge the contributions that the founding fathers made? A- and the idea of Columbus, I-, I understand Columbus is somewhat controversial. But at the same time, have we really gotten to this point where, gee, there's some people who are just so offended by him that they are the squeaky wheels that get to drive the, let's take down the monuments or whatever, um I, I will also say as as a political strategy for all the protesters out there all the people that are demanding this statue or that statue come down all the the modern day equivalent of book burners which is what you are um, there, there is going to be at some point in time some sort of pushback because just because you're the loud fringe and I, I we're moving beyond the, the discussion of Confederate monuments now now we're talking about, Again, these statues, I mean, I think there's somebody, you can find somebody, you know, anywhere that's going to find something to be offended about a certain person. If you allow those squeaky wheels to dominate the discussion, at some point in time, there's going to be a pushback. And maybe we're at that point now, pushback where people say, well... Okay, we we understand the Confederate flag thing. You know, we understand why you shouldn't be flying Confederate flags necessarily over state houses. But when it comes to destroying history, that is a completely and totally different step. And and I think the folks that are pushing the Columbus things or pushing the let's get rid of the Washington statues or whatever, I I think they're on the verge of seeing a, a blowback because just because they're loud doesn't mean they're right. It is 1057. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in the next hour, lots of stuff to talk about, including including whether or not the media's coverage of protests is, in fact, fair. And what do, and what do we do about the stolen car epidemic in Milwaukee? Stick around. It's 1057. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1108. This is Jeff Wagner. The Weekend Review coming up in about 20-some minutes. This is my favorite text of the morning so far. Um, remember, we had that caller BD who's producing the show Stephanie a little while ago, who uh, did, didn't <laughs> had a not nice thing to say about Christopher Columbus. Her hu- her husband just texted in. Did my wife just call Christopher Columbus a bad name on the air? Oh my goodness! I'll stop encouraging her. <laughs> See, that's the that's the thing. You know, you just uh, you, you just you never know who, in fact, may be listening. Okay, actually, I. I've, Kind of uh, decided to uh, switch around a couple things. There was a couple things I want to talk about that I think maybe we'll save for Monday show because we're kind of running out of time in this week. And there were, there, there are two, at least one, particularly time sensitive thing that I want to discuss this weekend. All right, Saturday night, BD. What are you doing Saturday? What are you doing tomorrow night? You got plans? You're going out to dinner. Oh, you're going out. It's not one of my favorite restaurants. i I sorry. Oh, I I, I, I won't call him out on the air. It's just it's not one of my favorite things. But but regardless, you are not going to be participating. You are not, in other words, going to be spending ninety nine dollars to watch the Floyd Mayweather, Conan McGregor pay-per-view fight. No, me, me neither now. For people who might not be familiar with Floyd Mayweather, who hasn't boxed in a, in a year or two, you know he's in his forties, um, forty nine and oh. he is he's fighting. If the fight is in Las Vegas, he's fighting a guy named Conor uh, Conan McGregor, who is from the mixed martial artist thing. Um, um, he's not really a boxer, although he's had a little bit of training in boxing, and they're 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 fighting, um, and it's a big. Pay-per-view event. That to watch it, it's ninety-nine bucks. Uh, the the tickets. If you were in Vegas, uh, let's see. I have the numbers here. A secondary market. They're getting oh somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve hundred dollars for for a ticket there. Um, millions of dollars. They estimate that um, sixty million dollars in tickets have been sold um, for the fight. Um, Las Vegas sport books have um, Mayweather as just this overwhelming favorite to, to win this because even though he's a little bit older, he, he's going against a guy who's never been boxed, has never boxed. All these physicians are saying they don't even think this is safe. They think Mayweather's going to kill th- this guy, but it, it's it's this incredibly hyped fight. I was. Um, at a bar-slash-restaurant the other day, and, and they said they were closing after 7 o'clock for a special thing, and I think what they're doing is they're charging people to come in and, and, and watch the, this fight on, on the pay-per-view situation. I um, There are things that I am not interested in, but I understand... There's, there's sporting events that I'm not interested in, but I understand why people like them. I, I'm not an auto racing fan, um, the, the Indy Five Hundred, yeah, because it's the Indy Five Hundred. But you know, your typical, your, your typical NASCAR race or something like that. It, and I get why people like it. It's just it's it's not my cup of tea. I like to watch golf tournaments. I understand why you know some people though. You know, golf tournaments. Gee, it's like watching paint dry. I, I get it. My late wife used to love to watch women's tennis. Eh. It, 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 it holds no interest to me. But but again, I, I understand how, how people would enjoy that. Having said all that, the idea of spending $100, and, see, and I actually, I'm not really anti-boxing. I mean, there, there's been big boxing matches over the years that I've been sort of interested in. And I've never ordered a pay-per-view on them. But, you know, if they're showing them a week later on, you know, HBO or Showtime or something like that, I'll watch it. And sometimes when they have the fights and they're on HBO or Showtime or whatever, I, I'll or ESPN, I'll I'll watch them. I mean, I'm not a huge boxing fan, but I I kind of appreciate, you know, how difficult this thing is. But the idea of paying... However much money they're charging, whether it's seventy-nine or eighty-nine or ninety-nine dollars to watch kind of an over-the-hill boxer go up against a mixed martial artist, I think is just absolutely crazy. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Now, if you can, if you've got it, and you the money, and you can afford it, far be it from me to tell you how to spend your money, but this is one where I flat out just don't understand why people would spend this type of money to watch this event so the fight is in Las Vegas it is tomorrow night they estimate that it's going to do huge business with pay-per-view I don't know anybody that's planning to watch it but let's tee this up are, are you looking forward to this fight um, are you planning to watch it are you spending money to watch it A- and if so why or, do you kind of agree with me, even if you're a sports fan, that this might be, if you can afford to buy this pay-per-view, this might be God's way of telling you you got too darn much money. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And of course, if you watch, whether it's Fox Sports or ESPN, I mean, the lead-up to this fight has been going on for, for the last several weeks now. Um I'm sorry, this, this just isn't Ali Frazier. All right, we discuss next. It's 1114. You're going to be spending money to watch this fight? Do you even care about this fight? We discuss next. It's 1114. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Yeah, I, I who is out there that's going to watch this fight? I have a text. Hi, Jeff. My name is Ross and Marshall. Hmm, what fight? I had no idea. All right, th- this tomorrow night. Okay, there's one of these pay per view fights for Floyd Mayweather, who is 40 years old. He hasn't fought in two years. He is undefeated. He is going to be in a boxing match with a guy from who's a mixed martial artist named Colin McGregor, uh, Connor McGregor. Um, who, who's only, he has no box, almost no boxing experience, um, a, at all. They're gonna be in a boxing match. Most people think that Mayweather's just gonna absolutely kill the guy. But, but again, it, it's not for a title fight. It's just kind of one of these freak sort of things. And, and yet, the experts are out there saying that they think that this fight, is going to break all the revenue records, that record, the records, the biggest fight in history adjusted for inflation, not adjusted for inflation, was 2015, the fight between Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, um, total revenue, $600 million, most pay-per-view sales, $4.6 million. They think that more than 4.6 million people are going to sign up to, to pay on average, I think like $100 to r- watch this thing on pay-per-view. Now, again, I don't tell people how to spend their money, but I don't, for the life of me, understand what the interest in this is and, and why you would drop $100 or, again, whatever you're going to pay to to see it. I mean, I guess if I was in a bar or a restaurant and it was on the big screen TV would I watch a little bit of it? Yeah, but would I pay for it? No. David in Milwaukee. David, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you, too. How are you? I'm, I'm good. You're going to watch this, my note says? That's me and a bunch, a whole mess
7: of our friends and a bunch of co-workers, yes.
0: Okay, are you going over to somebody's house so only one no. person has this? Sp- okay.
7: No, we're going to go to a, a particular establishment that has it.
0: Okay. So are you, are you, do you have to pay to get into it, or do you just kind of <laughs> sit in the bar and watch it? No, it's, it's $30 a seat, yeah. 30 bucks a seat. Okay, which is better than 99. But okay, tell me what is why? <laughs> I guess why. Well, so I'm a
7: big I watch a ton of the UFC and boxing and all that. So there's a certain the guy's 49 and 0. Will he make it to 50 and 0? You know, will he be outdone? Everybody's saying that, you know, McGregor's a clown, but he's a really good fighter, you know. There's there's just a little bit of that, you know, you you see an accident, and you want to turn away
0: sometimes. <laughs> okay.
7: But I think, you know, it could
0: be exciting or it could be a big joke. But uh. Yeah, see, I, I'm old enough. I remember when Muhammad Ali fought um, um, the, the wrestler, the Japanese wrestler, and who just kind of like laid on his back the whole sure. time. And that, it ended up, uh, Antonio Aoki, I think is what the guy's name was, but and it, it ended up being just a complete and total joke. So you're, yeah. th- this could be that way, but you're willing to take the risk, huh?
7: I, yeah, I think so. And then you know, there's there's a lot of things. What happens if he does? If this guy does out do, you know, knocks him out with a lucky punch, or could be really exciting. You know, at the same token.
0: Okay, so that that possibility. So at least it's worth it's worth thirty bucks to you, huh?
7: And, and betting on it too in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah.
0: Well, well, David. I I never, like I said, that, to each their own. Like I said, I, I never, I never tell people how to spend their money. But this is one that I just. I I just flat I I don't get. And this is not I'm not one like I said. I'm not one of these anti-boxing guys. I mean, I I I understand, you know, some of these matches, but th- this isn't like a heavyweight title fight. This isn't like a middleweight title fight. This is just a, a guy, a mixed martial artist who's really never boxed going up against kind of an over the hill boxer and people are going to pay a bunch of money. 30. He's going to pay 30 bucks to sit in a crowd with people. Hmm. Well, I guess to each their own. Um, I'm not sure what exactly I'm going to. Oh, I know what I'm going to be doing Saturday. Night. The Packers game is on. Packers game at Denver. Okay, paying to watch this thing or watching the Packers game. Boy, that one isn't even close. It's 11:21. This is Jeff Wagner speaking. Of the Packers, something very, very good happened yesterday, but but more needs to be done. I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. It's 11:21. Jeff Wagner, my WTMJ, now my producer. B.D. makes an interesting point. He said, what about the people that, that spend all that money and then the fight ends in like a minute or so? That is, of course, a risk. I will tell you a story. Funny that you should mention that, B.D. Um, I got... I'm getting married again soon. But um, my late wife and I, we were married in 1988. And we went on our honeymoon to Hawaii. And while we were in Hawaii... There was um, there Mike Tyson, and this was this was back in the day. Mike Tyson was undefeated, and at the time viewed as like one of the, the greatest fighters of, of all time. I mean, he was up and coming. He was just now Tyson kind of fell apart as time went on because of personal problems and other stuff. But at, at the time, he was just viewed as unstoppable. He was fighting um, Michael Spinks, and that we were in Hawaii at the time. We were in Maui. I remember this. And the, the fight uh, was being shown on pay-per-view at, at various hotels all along. At, you know, all, in Maui, at least where we were staying, there's one hotel after another. And it was one of those deals where they, they were charging, even at the time, stupid money. But like our last caller was saying, you could go in and you could buy a seat for whatever it is to see the pay-per-view. And, of course, I'm on my honeymoon. We're not We're not doing... We're. we're hey, hon, let's go sit and watch the fight. No, that wasn't going to end up happening. But... Okay, so the, the fight comes along, and Hawaii is, of course, that fight was like in Atlantic City. Hawaii is six or seven hours difference, wh- whatever that is. So, um, you know, the, the fight occurs. If it, if it occurs, if it kicks off at 10 o'clock Eastern time, you know, that's kind of the mid-afternoon or late-afternoon Hawaii time. Anyhow, we're walking to dinner, and all of a sudden I see all these angry people coming out of the hotels because they had all paid all this money to watch it, the fight lasted 91 seconds, 91 seconds. And then, which is, of course, you know, what you the risk you take with a boxing match. It's not like WrestleMania where, you know, the shows are going to last for a couple hours. But I I just remember that. And all these people are like, we we paid all this money and it was 91 seconds. Well, that's kind of what you end up getting. All right. Let us end this segment on a very, very positive note. Um, I was my best friend, Evan has been one of these guys, he is a huge, huge Packers fan and a a real student of Packers history. He has been one of these guys for years who has been writing letters to all the people you write letters to, trying to get Jerry Kramer into the NFL Hall of Fame. It is, in my opinion, an absolute outrage that Jerry Kramer, who was the guard one of the starting guards on the the Packer glory years teams um, is not in the NFL Hall of Fame. He's apparently the only member of the. Uh, he's a member of like the nineteen sixties All Decade team. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He's um, you know one of the only. I think he might be you know the the only person who's on like the you know NFL you know, all-time team who's not on in the Hall of Fame. And it's really been a real kind of outrage and a mystery as to why that hasn't happened. Well, okay, yesterday um, what happened is the the Veterans Committee, um, the Seniors Committee, has nominated him to be a finalist to go into the NFL Hall of Fame. Now, it, it's still, what happens is you've got the Senior Committee and he's still got to get like 80% of the vote of them to go in. But this is viewed as Really, probably his last best chance. Jerry Kramer definitely belongs in the Hall of Fame. He's the guy that's given gets a lot of credit for throwing the block that got Bart Starr into the end zone. Why he's been out is, is again bizarre. There's a sports writer for Sports Illustrated called, named Peter King who um, has been kind of on this anti-Kramer vendetta which is, a lot of people can't exactly figure out, but um, I mean, there's no question that this is, if you are a student of Packer history, you've got to be a fan of Jerry Kramer, and this is something that, he, he's, he's, still, he's still with us, he's 81 years old, and if you want to see, yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes what happens is, people go into the Hall of Fame, or get this recognition, you know, after they've passed away, and that's Always, I think, kind of unfortunate it happened to Ken Stabler a couple of years ago. I was at uh, at the Hall of Fame induction thing in Canton for Brett Favre a year ago. It was a lot. Of, it was very cool. I would love, 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 love to go back uh, again. If, if Jerry Kramer got into the Hall of Fame, like I said, he has to get eighty percent of of the vote of the, the senior. Selection committee and they gather at at the uh, Super Bowl, but it's one of those things where um, I, I'm hoping, for example, I'm hoping our sports guys start to organize a letter writing campaign um, in favor of of Kramer because that's now where where this is. He definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and I understand he's got a detractor or two, but they're um, they're just flat out wrong. All right, the Weekend Review is coming up. It's 11:28. This is Jeff Wagner. Traffic is sponsored by Hall Automotive.
4: Thanks for making Hall Volkswagen the largest certified pre-owned Volkswagen dealer in Wisconsin and in the top 5% of the nation. We couldn't have done it without you. It's Hall Good.
0: Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, glad to have you with us. Tonight, our Preps Live high school football coverage spotlights a battle in Waukesha. Defending state champion Catholic Memorial heads across town to take on Waukesha North. You can catch our coverage at WTMJ.com. Also, on our WTMJ mobile app, we start at 6.40 this evening. Hey, in addition to that, early part of next week, big announcement, big announcement. After resisting, after resisting for years, I am prepared to be dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Not going to tell you what that is right now, but we will make that announcement sometime early next week. It's 1134, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It is that time when... Well, we, we go to the weekend review. Typically, I am join. I am the, the I am the thorn between the two roses, Susie Falk, and uh, Tracy Johnson. Susie is enjoying one of the last weekends of the summer with her family. So, Tracy, it's just you and me today.
8: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll make it through.
0: We will make it through. Yeah. All right, the weekend review, and it has been it has been quite a week, hasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's let's get started. Um, Tuesday night. President Trump holds the political rally to end all rallies in, in in Phoenix. I I was telling people the story. I was I was actually planning on on watching Hard Knocks on HBO and the Brewers game and I started watching the Trump rally and I swear I got drawn in. I have never ever ever in my life seen anything like that. Um it was it it, it, it I've never seen a president. I mean it was like kind of a revival rally and I just and, of course, it's been very, very controversial since then. So the Trump rally, was it a success? Was it a failure?
8: I think it was a success. And, and first and foremost, what it did is it changed our news cycle. Are we ready for a changing our news cycle and, and getting off of some of the, the, the talk about Charlottesville and, you know, how, how what a failure Trump is and his staffing and all of that? But I of could, course
0: now people are talking about whether or not he's stable enough oh to God. be the president. Oh, God. <laughs>
8: But, but I think what he did, he did three things. He, first of all, he defended himself. The media wasn't giving him an opportunity to talk about, you know, his, his comments in Charlottesville. Instead, what they did is they took it, they fragmented it, they made it, you know, into this, this conversation about racism and all of that. So he defended himself. He redirected. I mean, he talked about very important issues about tax reform, about immigration, all things that were important to the people there. And then he motivated the base. I mean, they were chanting, make America great again. I mean, he, it was a typical, Trump rally and I think it he I think it was a success from from all standpoints
0: from all standpoints most standpoints okay now I I watched after the after the the events because i I was continuing to be fascinated by this Mm -hmm. i I turned on cnn of course in cnn cnn well no you're looking but uh, let me finish no of course cnn was one of the networks called out by him by by name and they it was don lemon and they had five or six talking heads who were just absolutely appalled he he's calling out journalists he's saying we're enemies of america um this is terrible this is the worst thing we have ever seen um, was, was there any merit to that? Do you do you think universally this played well?
8: Well, I do, to, especially to his base. And and I think we all know that Donald Trump is is the person who talks. He's talking to the people who support him, and those are the people that could maybe get him reelected. They're the people that got him elected in the first place. But I think what he he did, and I think rightly so, because the more you look at the actual words and the things that he said, you know, that's what they're doing, and they're trying to position. Him as this is a racist and that is inspiring these racial conversations throughout the country and I think what what he did is he said, no, listen everybody who who talks like this is is wrong, and I want to set the record straight and you, the media are not letting me do that so
0: typically, we expect presidents to try to be uniters, not dividers. Mm-hmm. Would you agree that it was an especially divisive speech i mean he, he he's Beyond just moving beyond the media, um, there were the attacks on on John McCain, the attacks on Arizona mm-hmm. Senator Jeff Flake. Um, was this presidential, or, or doesn't don't we need a don't we need that?
8: Well, I, I mean, I think you can take that that question back a year and to say, is he a presidential president? And and I think not. The answer is always going to be no. He's unconventional. He's not your typical president. He's not. Articulate. He's not an attorney. He's bombastic and he's loud and he wants to create momentum. And so I think, um, no, it wasn't a presidential speech. I think you know he was off the teleprompter, so it was not um, (laughs) necessarily scripted. Um, But I think his purpose—his purpose was not to unite in that speech. His purpose was to defend himself. His purpose was to redirect the conversation and start new. New dialogue about what he wants to accomplish going forward, and then he planted some some very important seeds about building the wall. About we'll talk
0: about that in a minute.
8: Yeah, you know, he's saying, "Listen, we we need to get some stuff done, and I need to to take this conversation back," and that's what he's trying to do.
0: Okay, to that point, you were referring to like building building the wall Mm -hmm. Um, during the campaign. Uh, Donald Trump ran on this idea that we're going to build a wall along the um, U.S.-Mexico border and that Mexico is going to pay for it. Um, Mexico has no intention of paying for this. And so now, at least what he implied in the rally, and what he appears to be saying for the rest of the week is, um, okay, we're going to front the money. To I want to front the money to build the wall. I'll figure out a way to collect the money from Mexico later on. And I am willing to shut down the federal government. The budget is due by October 1st. I am willing to shut down the federal government if I don't have funding for the wall. Does that make sense to you?
8: Well, I... I we we know that he probably will, if he doesn't get the funding, or find a way to massage that message to make it appear that he's getting that funding.
0: Um, well, but that, it seems to me that that's that's highly unlikely because the the wall is a very there's no Democrats are going to support it, and my guess is half the Republicans, if not more, in Congress think that's silly as well so they're not going to fund it so I mean, would he really shut down the government for whatever that means but he would really shut down the government over the funding for the wall
8: I I, I, I do think that I, I think that the funding for the for the wall, Will be tied to other things that could eventually shut down the government, and I think what it's showing is the dysfunction in the Senate. Because hasn't the House passed some sort of preliminary funding? But action? it doesn't.
0: No, it doesn't have funding for the wall in it, though. I mean, it has funding for added. I mean, the, the continuing resolution had funded funding for added border security, but um, well, n- not for the wall.
8: But maybe something like that, a compromise, is good enough. Um, and I think that they will come to a resolution. I think you're seeing Paul Ryan really step out front in some of this conversation, and. Um, I, I think that it's going to be a, a big moment for him.
0: Do you support building the wall?
8: Um, I don't support necessarily building the wall. I do support. We, we talked about is this a real wall? Is this a figurative wall? Is this, you know, a. Right, well, that's right. I, I mean, I, when,
0: when he was talking about during the campaign, I thought he was referring to the term wall in sort of a metaphysical sense. Yeah. You know, there. There there are portions of the border where we'll build a wall, which and there's portions of the border now where there's a wall or a fence or whatever. And then for other portions, we'll, you know, we'll we'll use electronic technology or we'll do whatever. I mean, because as a practical matter, if you look at the geography, you're you're not going to be able to build a wall for for years and years, even if you had the funding, because a lot of it goes through private property. There's already lawsuits from people in Texas who don't want a wall going through their backyards.
8: And natural barriers and such. So I, I think that I, I think that what he wants to continue to do is focus on this immigration and, and let's. I mean, I think it has been effective too. I mean, Im, uh, illegal immigration. They've talked about the numbers being down. Uh, they've talked about uh, people just having a greater sense for yes, this this can work. And so when we talk about physically building the wall, I think he will find a way to to change that conversation into bo- strengthening border security and immigration. And I think we won't shut down the government, but I do think he would shut down the government if it really really came to it.
0: If we were to shut down the government, is there any scenario in which Republicans come out ahead? No. I mean, I none. Get, none. Right, none whatsoever. Had, right,
8: right. And I think it makes the Senate, Senate particularly, look dysfunctional. Yeah. Particularly the Senate, and I, I don't understand why McConnell's still in that position. I I think he just he, he's he's helpless in that position, especially with people like John McCain, who have nothing to lose in this scenario. They're, it, it's totally dysfunctional. I think we're going to see a huge upset next next election.
0: As far as And the Senate, you think the Republicans lose control of the Senate?
8: I I wouldn't. Yes, I would. I would say yes. I mean, you're seeing uh, Trump already coming out. In support of the people that are against him on the Republican side.
0: Well, right. I mean, you've got you've got a um, okay, Jeff Flake, who's running for re-election. He's got a a challenger who's a kook, um, yeah. and, and Trump is endorsing the challenger who's the kook. And he doesn't know, right.
8: need to do that. That that is going to come out. And Trump's support alone isn't going to get somebody elected,
0: uh, even in Arizona. Okay, let's. All right. The, the other the other thing that's really back on the front burner as a result of that 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 rally is there's lots of people who are suggesting that Trump has a personality disorder, perhaps leading on mental illness, which indicates that he is unstable. I mean, Jake Clapper, who's just been a Trump hater for the longest time, suggesting that he's afraid that the guy has access to the nuclear codes. Um, People are talking about removing him under the 25th Amendment, which allows replacement of the president if he's incapacitated. Um, Is the president unstable?
8: I I have not done, looked at his clinical records. I think that calling somebody unstable is a kind of a last resort or something that people say when they don't agree with, with someone. Right. And when you look at his mannerisms and his way of speaking, I think they they might have a reason to to say that, but I don't think clinically he is unstable. I just don't think that's possible. Well,
0: all right. I, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I think... I think if you want to talk about personality, and, and I've, I've always found President Trump to be off-putting. I mean, I, I didn't like him when he was on The Celebrity Apprentice. There, I, I don't like the bullying. I don't like the narcissism. I, I don't like the, um, the, the arrogance and the ego and the defensiveness. I, I think he would probably be just a great case study for, you know, a, a whole myriad of all, all these yeah. different personality disorders. But I agree with you that just because... You're arrogant and egotistical and narcissistic and thin-skinned. Doesn't it, it? might make you unlikable. It doesn't make you crazy. Well,
8: and even being erratic, that d- that doesn't make you clinically crazy. And I I think if they were to do any tests, doesn't they have to go through some medical evaluation yeah. <laughs> before being?
0: Well, that's why I, I had a caller earlier this week saying, oh, I, well, that's why I'd love to see his medical records. Well, his Did medical records. He's he had psychological evaluations. No, I agree with you. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's crazy, you know, um, but I, I do, I mean, I think, but what you, but of course, he's no different as president than he was when he was running for office. You know, that's, that we knew what we're getting.
8: Well, and even saying that somebody's crazy, all that says is, I don't agree with them. I mean, there's lots of times I'm like, oh, that's a crazy idea, or that's, that's, that's crazy. And so... I don't think there's anything clinically wrong with him. People don't agree with him, um, and he is, like you said, off-putting and erratic.
0: When we come back, we're going to be talking about the attack of a high school teacher at South Division High School earlier this week and uh, one of the top social issues facing the country. Stick around. I'm Jeff Wagner. She's Tracy Johnson from the Commercial Association of Realtors. It's the Week in Review. It's 1146. 1149, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's the Week in Review. Susie Falk off this week with her family, enjoying the last few days of summer. Tracy Johnson and I holding down the fort. Okay, Tracy, next topic. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised, perhaps maybe shouldn't have been, earlier this week a video of a 16-year-old at South Division High School who brutally attacks a teacher who's very close to retirement. Um, it, it's captured on cell phone video. A number of the kids stand around and, and watch some of them laugh while the 16-year-old is beating the teacher. He's now on leave. For um, my my question is, is this just another day in MPS?
8: Well, I I don't think it's just another day in MPS. Um, you have thousands of kids go to school every day without incident. Um, I understand that it's often challenging because the environment in which many of the kids are raised are you know is filled with violence and. Uh, you know, very little oversight and no parenting or structure. Um, but the 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 issue I have with this video is that this this student just thought nothing of it. He just yeah. went after an an adult, an elder, a teacher, in a, in a classroom. What was going through his mind? It was very hard to watch, and I. Sure, hope that the teachers union comes out to support this teacher. I hope that this student is expelled. I don't well, know if they're the talking prob- criminal charges. Well the, prob-
0: well, the problem with expelling him is all that means is Go it's the dance else. of the lemon. They they send him to another MPS school where he can beat the crap out of some other teacher. I mean, I that's that that's the problem with expulsion. And you know, one of the things that concerns me is I think this happens more than we know. I mean, I've been getting calls over the course of the week from teachers that say, this goes on a regular basis. And oh, wow. MPS just doesn't want people to know about it. M- MPS is very concerned about at the end of the year, you know, they, they look at the number of kids who've been suspended or expelled, and th- they're more concerned about the perception than about the reality. So let's not report this. Let's just try to kind of sweep this stuff under the rug because we don't want people to recognize how bad it really is. And I think that's a huge issue.
8: Well, and and if you have all of these videos coming out, you are not going to have any teachers. I know lots of people who teach who will not step foot anywhere near MPS because they're afraid of their lives, for their lives. And they're afraid for not being able to achieve any goals because or they can't you're get there their to, students to come to
0: school. Right. Or, or you're there to teach. And, you know, it, who I feel bad for among other people, including the teachers and all, but it's also, what about the kids who really are there to try yeah. to learn? How yeah. do you do that when you've got this? And I, I will tell you, one of the interesting things, and it's going to be a test of whether where the, when the medal meets the meat is, is what John Chisholm does with things like this i mean you have a district attorney's office that i think has a history of being extremely soft on juvenile crime what's going to happen when um are they going to charge this kid are you going to try to waive him into adult court i'd say i'd say you assault a teacher yeah you get waived into adult court
8: well they need to and, and maybe the the school district can look at this in another way to say how can we Help the community because if you start to hold these people up as examples and say you are going to be punished, you are going to go to jail if you do this. Maybe kids won't do it anymore because they're sure as heck not being disciplined at home or, or on right. the street, or
0: or at least even if they do it, then they're out of. Then you you have an excuse. You get them out of the classrooms, you get them out of the community, and you get them to where they can't terrorize innocent people. Okay, um, one final topic before I write stuff awards. Colin Kaepernick. All right, Packers yes. season getting ready to start soon. Colin Kaepernick, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a job. Um, uh, uh protests in New York. Oh, Colin should have a job. Um, NFL owners apparently are viewing the guy as not worth the trouble. Um, do you feel sorry for Colin Kaepernick?
8: Not one bit. I do not feel sorry for this guy one bit. I think he did a lot of harm not only the 49ers, well, because he wasn't very good first of all, but because he put the NFL in a position to have to deal with this with this issue, and the fact that they had to, to say, oh, okay, is it okay if you don't like the national anthem, or if you protest, and you know, they they gave it a, well, a lot of visibility, and, well, and it still goes on,
0: right, and it's hurt them in ratings. I mean, NFL ratings, for the first time in a long time, are down, and there's lots of reasons for it, including oversaturation, and bad games, and people like Peyton Manning retiring, but there's a lot of people who I think are just disgusted by these protests. They don't want to turn on the TV and have they want it sports. They don't want to have this in them. I agree. I mean, if I'm if I'm an NFL owner, it's like first of all, he wants millions of dollars. I mean, why why would you take the aggravation for a backup quarterback?
8: You wouldn't, and I think they're going to make the right decision. Here's the deal, though. He'll get something. He'll be a commentator. He'll be on TV. He'll 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 be just fine. I'm well, not worried about. Well, commentary. right. Well, yeah.
0: He, yeah. No. Exactly. I mean, that, that's it. They have these huge protests. I mean, the guy made what eight or nine million dollars last year, millions of dollars before that. Of all the different people that you can you know feel sorry about and protest for, well, I, Colin Kaepernick is a bizarre one. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got our right stuff awards. Stick around. It's 11:54. It's 11:57. Jeff Wagner, Tracy Johnson, the Week in Review, Your Right Stuff Award.
8: So, my Right Stuff Award this week goes to the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce. Um, they have assembled a, a group of 150 uh, associations, chambers, businesses uh, in a letter of support uh, for the Foxconn project. And I think this is great timing, as the Senate just met. Um, they have had a public hearing. They're going to be going into deliberations, and they're kind of trying to to say, okay. Look at all these people who support it, because there has been a lot of negative press on this, and um, I think it's a great showing of support. Good good for them for, for putting this together.
0: I agree. My Right Stuff Award goes to 66-year-old Charles Logan of Omaha, Nebraska. I was talking about him yesterday. He, his son came up to him and said, Dad, why should I work when I can make more money just bum, being a bum, panhandling? And what he started doing is he started staking out the panhandlers that are around, holding a sign saying, get a job, you can work. More people should do that. Charles Logan wins my Right Stuff Award...